0: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Yeah, next hour, of course, we'll uh, drag in the uh, Moistline people. Uh, we'll also be talking to Eric Sadal again. Uh, the head of the Association of Deputy District Attorneys for L.A. County. He was part of this event today in El Monte. We carried some of it last hour, a news conference where they brought together people from law enforcement, along with families of murdered police officers to call out the policies of L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon. This, of course, coming on the heels of the horrible event this week, the shooting deaths of two El Monte police officers by a guy who benefited from George Gascon's directives. He should have been in state prison because he was a felon with a strike on his record, and he got caught with a gun, which is a felony, and that's what the law says. But Gascon doesn't like that law and decided to ignore it. And instead, the guy got like 20 days, which he got time served for, and there he was. Now we also heard a report that his uh, probation officer was going to write him up for this problem with his wife, domestic yeah. Violence still, but, uh, didn't
0: put him in jail immediately. Was going to wait till the hearing on June 27th, and they probably wouldn't have put him away after the June 27th hearing anyway, because they no, don't because put that's the anybody policy. in jail. No, that's the policy. Nobody goes to jail. We just have hearings, right?
1: And as we learned with our conversation yesterday with John Lewin from the uh, from the LA County DA's office, the Deputy DA. They're working on releasing as many people as they can who are already in prison. Yeah. They want to shorten everybody's prison time. That's what and, they're working on and now.
0: Almost all that's left are violent felons. So all the new prisoners that are going to be dumped out of state prison that Gascon is actively advocating that they be resentenced, that they be paroled early, they're all violent felons. You're going to have more of this. But, you know, we told you this Two years ago, when we were when he was running, he was he was the father of Prop 47. He wrote the damn thing, which was all about not sending criminals to jail. What's going to happen? Well, you see what happens for Prop 47. A lot of those people are living on the streets now. They used to be in state prison. They used to be in jail. They don't get arrested and convicted and prosecuted anymore. They don't get jailed anymore. So they're on the streets. They're committing the crimes now. He's actually unleashed. Cop killers, but maybe that makes all these uh, woke people happy. You know, maybe Garcetti did a little jig in his office when he found out there was two more dead officers, right? No, no I, I haven't heard anything from Garcetti. Has he spoken out about this? No. Yeah, I, I know it's El Monte. It wasn't a city
1: of L.A. murder, so yeah. he probably decided not to get
0: involved. But it's you know right adjacent there. Yeah. You know, uh, any, uh, any also, decent, Gascon
1: uh, is denying reports that uh, the county, the DA's office, might have paid for the killer's funeral. The policy he does have a directive that if you're killed by police, we're going to pay. But and some read it, and I read the words from the directive no. that it doesn't matter what the criminal case is. He can deny if all. If you're he killed wants. by police, we could pay for your burial.
0: He deny he can deny all he wants. His policy would pay for the burial. Now he's chosen to chosen to not pay this one for obvious reasons. Yeah, but like uh, but yeah, but if he if he could sneak it by. If he could sneak it by everyone, yeah, then the Flores family would get a free burial from George Gascon after the cop killing.
1: Well, speaking of homicides, we move over to uh, Governor Gruesome. Gavin Newsom made news and he wants to make news because he wants to be president. Uh, he is tired of being governor and his reelection in November is a foregone conclusion. So he's moving on to bigger things. Uh, so, what he's been doing most of this year. He's been posting stuff on Twitter about national issues, the abortion issue, the gun issue. The latest thing he did, the latest stunt, is he joined Donald Trump's Truth Social, which is the alternate uh, social media to Twitter. That's what they call it, Truth Social. That's Catchy. an odd name. Catchy yeah, I don't, name. Yeah, I, I would have gone with something a more interesting. Anyway, which, you know, you think would be Trump people all there. So I guess he thinks it's going to get attention. And it did. It got a lot of media coverage uh his first
0: uh <laughs> honestly
1: <laughs> i just joined trump's truth social i'm going to be calling out republican lies okay. this could get interesting now listen to the audio of him calling out what he thinks are republican lies and then we will correct the matter
0: hey everybody it's governor gavin Newsom and i know we're all on this platform in search for the truth but the truth is i've not been able to find a simple explanation ...for the fact that we have a red state murder problem. Eight of the top ten states with the highest murder rates happen to be red states. So the question is simple. What are the laws and policies in those states that are leading to such carnage? Well,
1: let's take a closer look at this. He's right. The highest murder rates do include states like Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, as well as Louisiana. Even though that's a red state, but it's governed by a Democrat... But the Washington Examiner did a pretty good job taking a closer look. And if you haven't already guessed, the murder rates in those states are high, but they're occurring in the larger cities run by Democrats.
0: (laughs) So back in your face, Newsom. The thing is, he knows that and he doesn't care. He's about getting a quick hit, a cheap headline. He knows the woke media will just present his superficial analysis and not go into the detail. Notice it's the Washington Times that went a a layer deeper and quickly fell. No, the Washington Examiner. The Washington Examiner. That's what I'm looking at here. Right, that's a conservative newspaper. So they went went, uh, a layer deeper. Of course, all the other woke media outlets aren't going to do that. But it is. Uh, It's democratic cities embedded inside conservative states.
1: Yeah, they write, Louisiana has three cities among the top 25 most deadly. Shreveport is 25th. It's been run by Democrats since 1998. New Orleans is seventh deadliest. Baton Rouge is a sixth. New Orleans has been run by the Democrats every year since 1872. (laughs) Baton Rouge is last Republican mayor left office in 2005. So he's trying to cite a simple thing that might be true, but he's
0: bending it. He's on purpose. He, you know, he thinks he's so clever. And the he thing does, is, yeah. he's, he's such a simpleton that his cleverness you can unravel in a matter of seconds. He's like a little kid. It's like, look at this. Look at this. Huh? Huh? I'm pretty smart, aren't I? Uh, no, you're not, kid. You're a dud.
1: States this- are big. If he had done uh, cities, he, you know what the, what? the second deadliest city is, is Baltimore. Yes. And that has been run by Democrats since 1967. Yeah. Detroit, also very deadly. Run by Democrats since 1962. So... That you have to actually and, take a closer look at this rather and, than just and, put out and, state
0: data. And, the, and, and there's, there's 100 pro-criminal anti-cop policies that all these cities have because they allow anything goes. Oh, situation. controlling crime is all local. Yeah, right. it's all local. And it depends on a lot of things. You know, the most brilliant theory was the broken windows theory that came out in the 1980s uh, and that uh, Rudy Giuliani and Bill Bratton used to dramatically reduce crime. In New York in the 1990s, it's that when you let broken windows last in the neighborhood, you let garbage start to pile up, you allow graffiti to be sprayed on walls, uh, criminals figure out, oh, nobody cares here, and they can go to town. And then you start getting shoplifting, you start getting burglaries, then gangs will take over the territory because they figure, hey, there's nobody here defending it, there's nobody upholding any standards, nobody's going to catch me. Nobody cares. And that works. And if you, if you have little kids, I say this all the time, you know this stuff. Where The more you let them get away with, the more they're going to do. The more lax you are when they're small, then the more mayhem that you're going to get. Kevin Williamson uh, with the National Review uh, has, has been on a tear uh, lately uh, with, with a couple of points, which are really important because of all this gun control uh, rigmarole. Uh, Department of Justice statistic. From 2019, less than 2% of all prisoners had a firearm obtained from a retail store at the time they committed their crimes. This gun control breakthrough that they claim they're having about doing more extensive background checks, fine, you could do that. But 98% of all prisoners didn't buy their gun from a gun shop or go to Dick's Sporting Goods or Walmart or wherever they used to sell guns. Second thing is um, the great majority of murders committed in the United States, over 80 percent, are committed by people with prior arrest records, often by people with prior convictions for violent crime or prior weapons offenses. But none of the gun control proposals are targeted at this group. So they're going after a group of people where where only 2 percent of prisoners bought a gun from a gun shop. And 80-plus percent prisoners have arrest records, violent arrest records, weapons offenses. On their arrest records.
1: And we've known this for years. It's the same small crowd of criminals reoffending
0: over and over again because
1: they kept getting re-released.
0: And, and this is the truth. And it's been overwhelmed by all the woke propaganda from activists and politicians amplified by the woke a-holes in the media. And it's simply false. What you hear all the time is the opposite of what the truth is. It's like being in, a, in like one of those funhouse mirrors. Where everything is upside down, inverted, reversed, and nothing makes sense. None of this makes any sense. None of it is close to reality. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI.
1: We are just talking about uh, Dippity Doo, who's decided to point out murder rates by state and has picked on Republican red states as having higher murder rates. But... We focused in on the cities and we got to talk about two of them because they made the news big time. They're all Democratic run cities. Yeah. Embedded tabloid. The Daily Mail, Portland. Holy mackerel. If you haven't seen these pictures, Portland resembles an open air drug market after decriminalizing hard drugs. Overdose deaths have skyrocketed by 41 percent in the Democrat led city as homeless addicts collapse on sidewalks. Apparently, Back in February, or rather back in 2020, and it took effect in early 2021, they passed a ballot measure called 110, the first state, Oregon did, in the nation to decriminalize possession of personal use amounts of heroin, meth, LSD, and oxycodone. Since this passed, overdose overdose deaths in Oregon have hit an all-time high in 2021 with over 1,000. 41% 41% increase from
0: the previous by, year. By the way, this referendum, so this this is what the people wanted, right? It passed with uh, almost 59% of the vote. Yeah, so people fi- thought after marijuana, why not go for the next level? Okay, so they basically voted to kill off over 1,000 people in the state. Because that's well. what happened. I mean, in Portland, you know, they've got a bad homeless problem, too. And so they've seen all the people dying in the streets with the heroin needles in their arms or all the insane, bizarre behavior of the meth addicts. They've seen all this and decided to vote for more. The ballot measure redirected
1: millions of dollars to treatment. But it doesn't look like that's working. See, the woke people who want to legalize everything say what we'll do is have somebody standing by to revive them. Let's bring them into a... (laughs) A place where they can shoot up or take
0: whatever drugs they want, and we'll stand by and save them. Except that doesn't happen in the real world, right? Because you can't have somebody standing there 24 hours a day while you're on your heroin or meth or cocaine trip. And some of them
1: aren't going to go to these places because they know when you go there, they're going to ask you, do you want help? Can we take you somewhere?
0: Well, first of all, you're... you're That's
1: why homeless won't
0: go into shelters. Your mind is all haywire. When you're on the meth high... You're not thinking, oh, what office should I go to to uh, take some kind of treatment now? No, you're running around half naked, screaming, climbing fences, (laughs) jumping on people, smashing through plate glass windows. You're 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 not looking for the treatment center. The other genius city is San Francisco.
1: We've talked about this before. They have something called the Linkage Center in the Tenderloin neighborhood of San Francisco. It opened in January, and this brilliant idea was to connect drug addicts, homeless people, with services. It has been an incredible failure. By the way, the Tenderloin is considered an open-air drug market. And so far, very, very few people have come for treatment, even though they have this special linkage center. And it looks like they're going to end the
0: funding because it's just not successful. Because it's not what drug addicts do. If drug addicts went for treatment, then we wouldn't be having any problems at all. So moving the treatment center right into the, uh, the neighborhood, the, yeah. the, the drug bazaar, uh, doesn't matter. They don't want treatment. They want to no. be high. They want to be high because it feels good. These people enjoy being high. That's why the word is high. Ow. means you're up. You're happy. You're getting it's a, a surge. It's
1: a release for some people to get away from real life. Well, and get, then they do it all the time. Because they're useless. They, they have only treated less than 1%. Uh, they've treated about 1 in 1,000 drug abusers. That's I, all they've done. I
0: think the other story that came out a few weeks ago, it was 17 people.
1: Yeah. Now uh, it so, looks like it's a few more oh, people, but it's uh, completely a failure. They spent $75,000 a month renting this site, and it hasn't done it any good. So the, the mayor there is thinking about closing it. They've got point one percent of those using the site ended up being directed to treatment in the first five months.
0: They've got yeah. a, a a photo of of some of the people who are on drugs in Portland, and and one guy is on his knees, rear end sticking up in the air. His his coat is sliding off his back. He's got long shaggy hair, and he's injecting himself, presumably with heroin. And he's on a sidewalk, and there's people walking by him. And he's in looks like he's in some kind of agony, having some kind of fit.
1: These are the people that give up. They decide that we're not going to stop drug use and we
0: shouldn't encourage. We should try to help them manage it. Well, they don't. But the thing is, like all this other stuff, they're wrong. Their idea didn't work. They're just flat out wrong. That's not the way drug addicts work. So how long? Well, hey, the people voted for it. So if you want people dying in front of you of meth and heroin overdoses, there you go. You got it.
1: Now, this is what we saw with Prop 47. Once they took away the important part of the drug law, which was they can treat it as a felony and use that as leverage to get you into treatment. They took that away with Prop 47. So what do we have? Well, we're not as bad as Portland and San Francisco, but there are places like downtown Skid Row, the thing
0: is, which look like that. You can't confine it to just a certain district. First of all there are normal people living in that district. And then but but they they spill out into into the other neighborhoods. And then you have what Los Angeles has, which is encampments everywhere. In all the sections of the city, in all the neighborhoods, because you can't just contain it to Skid Row anymore. There's too much of it. H- human beings are 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 really there's a lot of damaged souls. And, and I, the woke crowd doesn't want to accept the damage. They would rather give them more drugs to further damage themselves and also damage other people's neighborhoods. And right. and, and, and cause more death and destruction. That's what woke people do. We got more coming up. John and Ken, kfine
1: All right. We'll be talking George Gascon after the news at five o'clock. Of course, he's the big story this week because the consequences of his policies really played out in an awful manner on tuesday in el monte two police officers shot to death by a guy who should be still in prison that simple that's what gascon's policies have done Uh, eric sadal who is the head of the association of deputy district attorneys in la county will join us he was at this event in the three o'clock hour out in el monte where law enforcement leaders and families of murdered police officers got together to remember their loved ones and to talk about the policies of George Gascon. That'll be followed by the moist line. And if you didn't hear it, we will play the interview we had with the mother of one of the dead officers. Her name is Olga Garcia. She joined us in the two o'clock hour. She also spoke at this event in El Monte and... uh, you have to hear it to understand yeah. what we're dealing
0: with. Yeah, um, maybe somebody should call Gascon's office and tell all the stooges in his office to listen to this if they haven't heard it yet. Think yeah. you think they were watching the press conference where all the grieving mothers and widows were talking about the uh, their their dead uh, husbands and dead uh, sons? Think they watch uh, Ogle Garcia? Yeah. Yeah. Think think they care? Think it matters to them?
1: Meanwhile, another ugly story, which, of course, gets no attention, but where do you hear these numbers, is the southern border. The Biden administration does not care, uh, reversed all the Trump policies that did some good to tamp down on the number of migrants trying to get into the United States legally or illegally. And the May numbers have been released 239,000. 416 migrants were encountered at the southern border last night. The total number of May crossings marks the highest number of migrant encounters recorded in one month ever and brings the total migrant encounters in the fiscal year 2022, which, by the way, doesn't end until September, to more than one and a half million. Wow. The other part of this story, which is probably the worst part of it, Border Patrol agents did manage to grab 15 people at the border who were on the FBI's terror watch list.
0: That's nice. How many have gotten through?
1: That's what everyone's afraid of.
0: You know, the, How
1: many others on the terror watch list were not nabbed?
0: The, the, all these numbers only tell part of a story. The, 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 they have encounters with these people. Only a fraction of them are returned back to their country. Most of them... Get processed and are sent out to live for the rest of their lives somewhere here in America. Maybe they show up at a hearing. Maybe they don't. Maybe they get legal status someday. Maybe they don't. But they're all going to stay here, most of them. And uh, they they talk about encounters. There are tons, thousands, thousands of legal aliens pouring over the border who are unencountered. Because there aren't enough border patrol. There's 2,000 miles of border, not not enough patrol. And if you're a terrorist, odds are you're going to sneak across. You're not going to check in at the asylum station.
1: We've been talking about this possibility since 9-11. I have to say that. Remember the years after 9-11, we thought that's what uh, al-Qaeda was going to try to do, sneak in their terrorists through our wide open border. Then the president was Bush. But uh, with Biden, it really, uh, they're coming from all over the world now. And it kind of, things always swing in extremes because Trump ran on, you know, build that wall, shut down that border, and then did institute some policies that made a difference, like remain in Mexico and the whole thing with uh, Article 42, turning back people because of COVID. But everyone around the world found out Biden's going to reverse all that. Well, The U.S. is going to be wide open. Let's go. And now we're seeing the consequences of that.
0: Part of the, part of the woke progressive uh, policy Part of their agenda is they want to dilute the influence of people who came from Europe. All the family lines that trace themselves back to Europe have been, in their minds, too prominent, too controlling, too much of it, you know, for 250 years. And it's got to be diluted. And there's only so much— You're
1: echoing the replacement theory,
0: which has been disparaged. But no the Dem- no no but as the, the belief of white supremacists. No, the Democrats have admitted this. There was there was a whole montage of clips about democratic politicians and candidates saying this is what we want. We want more diversity. You can come up with all kinds of of incendiary names to describe it, but it's what they call diversity, what they call bringing in other cultures. What they call you know changing the American culture. Because they they resented. They think it was based on oppression. Do you, you think they're ne- going to
1: re- change their mind if the trend that and it's a small story that happened in Texas continues in November, where a Latino woman Republican won a congressional seat that's been held by Democrats for a long, long time? Well, Do you think because this could <laughs> be about building the voter base? They might change their minds if they start to see something happen this year or next year that doesn't fit I, I, this
0: I, long-term
1: I, scenario that I don't they've kn- come to I don't know. embrace
0: of diversifying the country. I don't know if they, if they have. Because political parties are only really about winning. That's all they're about. Yeah, the political parties are. But the woke activists, they're just about disruption. And I don't think they think things through. You, you pointed this out earlier, that the Gascon crowd is anti-gun enhancements. And at the same time, they want gun control. Those two notions are incompatible. You can't they be are. anti-gun enhancements and then want gun control because once you catch them with the guns, you've got to put them away. There's got to be a penalty. There's got to be some kind of disincentive to use a gun. But right now, the law, the way Gascone interprets the law, it encourages using a gun in a crime because you won't get any additional penalties. and yeah. And the same thing here, you look at the approval rating Hispanics have for Joe Biden. It's 25% right now. It's bad, yeah. It's 25%. So it's not just going to be a flipped seat in Texas. The Democrats have been plotting for 20 years to have a permanent majority of popularity, whether it's president, Congress, whatever, permanent majority based largely on ever-increasing Hispanic votes.
1: That used to be the black population, but the black population hasn't taken off the way the Latino population has, so
0: that's their goal. Black support of Biden, all-time low. That's also bad. Hispanic support of Biden at all-time low. One of the reasons Caruso did as well as he's done in the race is Hispanic and black males, more so than females, moving to Caruso because they want to live in an orderly world. They don't want crime and gangs oh, and, and, and disorder.
1: And those groups have turned on Biden because look at the economy with inflation. No. no. And the gas prices.
0: It's got everybody worked up who has a brain. They misjudge the Hispanic culture. The Hispanic culture is by its nature socially conservative, family-oriented. They are not into the woke issues. They're very devout Catholic, so they don't want to hear about abortion. Uh, often they're a little shaky on accepting a uh, 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 gay politics. It It's not what they thought. They thought that because the Democrats led the charge to open the border that they were going to get a lifetime pass, adulation from these Hispanics forever. And now that Hispanics have mainstreamed, have climbed up the economic ladder, have a foothold here, the legal ones who can vote, it turns out they are being absorbed into traditional American culture. And traditional American culture is not woke culture. They're, they're the enemies. They're at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Traditional American culture and woke culture are incompatible with each other. And the Hispanics are choosing sides, especially the men.
1: All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. All right, we'll start next hour by talking to Eric Sadal. He's been on our show many times with the L.A. County Association of Deputy the district attorneys, and he was there today in El Monte when they had a special event for, put on by the El Monte Police Officers Association to salute the two fallen officers who were murdered earlier this week, and to, of course, point out to everyone that would listen that George Gascon's policies are responsible for those officers' deaths. The moist line will pop up at 520 and again at 550, and we'll have a special replay of an interview we did with the mother of one of the slain officers. His name was Joseph Santana. His mother is Olga Garcia. She joined us earlier in the show, and we think that's worth hearing again. You'll hear that after the news at 5.30. Um, haven't talked much. You know, February 23rd is the day before Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine. February 24th. It's really not news anymore, even though the Russians are slowly but surely taking over the eastern part of that country. But I think some European leaders just went to visit uh, the Russian, uh, the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, the other day and just stood there in the middle of the street waving.
0: And Well, that's not going to do any good, but there's a lot of symbolic nonsense going on. you got to give him all kinds of big, nasty weapons. Well, S- speaking of symbolic,
1: the thing we're going to talk about now is the sanctions. They're not working. Yeah. Reporters who have been in Russia say that life looks like it's always been. There you go. The people that... Listen to this. On February 23rd, the day before Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine, one U.S. dollar cost 78.6 rubles. So there's your little conversion rate, if you're Mm -hmm. ever curious. Over the next two weeks, the price of a dollar in Russian currency increased dramatically, peaking at 135.8 on March 10th. But however, since then, the dollar has fallen below 60 rubles, a level unseen since March of 2018, meaning our dollar is doing worse than their ruble. And maybe we're suffering more with all this inflation Mm. and everything else we got going with gas prices in this country than your typical person in Moscow is.
0: Here's what happened. We wanted to punish Russia, right? Figuring maybe it would stir the people up to stream into the streets. They'd be angry. All the stores were closed. They couldn't eat at McDonald's anymore. Uh, Instead, it didn't have that much of an effect. And the Russians got used to whatever restrictions occurred. See, they're, they're not like us. Oh, plus We're, they're still
1: selling oil and gas. China, well, India. Yeah. Big customers, big well, populations. We, di-
0: we didn't want to buy gas and oil, understandably, because we didn't want to finance Putin's war effort. So what happened is uh, we refused to accept any gas and oil. Europe's threatening to do the same thing. That's driven the price of gas and oil up through the roof. And Russia is selling the gas and oil to China anyway. And they're they're enjoying uh, the higher prices. Yeah. Or they're offering big discounts in order to get more customer loyalty. India. That's that's working there. So, you know, we made fun of these uh, sanctions early on because that's this knee-jerk reaction from from presidents and diplomats. Oh, we're gonna impose sanctions. And I don't know, they've had sanctions on Iran for Seems like 40 years. Yeah, it does. Hasn't done anything. They don't do anything because there's plenty of bad countries or countries that don't care that form their own networks for trade and they work around us. We're we're not that powerful. We're not that influential, clearly.
1: So. Well, if you have markets like China and India still buying your product, which is largely gas and oil. Um, it's not going to be a big deal, no matter what the U.S. does. We did not take in much Russia. Oh, wow. how fuel you... anyway, and Europe's a big customer. But uh, you know, then then Putin did another smart thing. He demanded that if you want it, you got to pay in rubles.
0: Yeah. Well, he's actually way smarter than Biden is, and he's much more clever and crafty. And he's running circles around Biden. He's got his war going. He's capturing a lot of territory in the east. He's killing thousands uh, of Ukrainians. I mean, every every month, thousands and thousands of Ukrainians, and uh, th- he's he's never going to give up that land. He's won that that section of of Ukraine.
1: Yeah.
0: So he, he's getting what he wants. He's selling lots of oil and gas. He's got these huge population centers. I mean, China and India are a third of the world's population, and uh, they're buying tons of oil and gas, and other goods from Russia. So he won, we lost, and uh, we're paying $8 for gas. And here's what
1: Biden sounds like. We'll play once again, Biden giving condolences to the CFO of a company called Joanne Stores, because in attendance at a press conference was the CEO of that company. So Biden wanted to Take a moment to extend sympathies. Here's how it went. And by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your, F, uh, uh, their, your CFO, who uh, un, dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best to their family. It's tough stuff. <laughs> tough, wow. Tough. <laughs> Thirteen seconds, and there's so much in there. Who <laughs> dropped dead? unexpectedly couldn't come up with cfo obviously didn't give the man's name which was matt
0: Seuss. <laughs> and then ended with a tough stuff <laughs> tough well stuff. yeah uh condolences That up boy well whatever his name was uh boy he he really he, he hit the ground huh? hard as a carp drop dead. that's our
1: guy against putin yeah doing his best part to extend a sympathetic hand to somebody tough stuff tough stuff whoa <laughs> drop dead huh All right, when we come back, we'll be talking about the recall against George Gascon. Uh, Sad to say, but boy, it probably will get even bigger life this week with the death of those two police officers, which can be laid directly at the policies of George. Even the El Segundo Times admits that the policy of George Gascon's left this guy on the streets. Mm -hmm. We'll talk to Eric Sadal.
0: Good luck luck finding that article now, though. That's more (laughs) coming up. Johnny Kenjo, Deborah Mark has the news. KFI AM 640.